Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force, global rapid rugby and the game we love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rugby Wrap. Nice to have your company for this very special Argentinian edition. My name's Mick Collison. Joining me as always, former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you out on the road once again. Yes, Mickey. I'm not, uh, I'm not driving. I'm, I promise you I've pulled over. But uh, down in beautiful dwelling up this afternoon in the Peel region. Uh, so, yeah, one of the joys of being um, with the job is getting out and about, seeing parts of WA. So thoroughly enjoying a bit of time on the road. Good to see you out of the caravan of courage that we had you in last time. And, <laughs> and lifting our average from 3 out of 10 to 4 out of 10 in the good-looking stakes, it's the Rugby Wraps resident pretty boy, Heath Tesman. And Tess, good to catch up. Yeah, you too. I mean, we're, we're, we were just discussing hair products just before we got to uh, the segment. I'm just lucky that I've been able to learn so much off you guys and our, and our guests as well. <laughs> well, there's, there's a huge amount happening in the rugby world at the moment, and we'll try to cover all the main points throughout the episode. But the biggest news was the historic 25-15 victory by Argentina over the All Blacks last weekend, their first ever win against New Zealand. And one man who knows all about the passion of the Argentinians is Topo Rodriguez. He played 13 tests for the Pumas before moving to Australia and playing 26 times for the Wallabies. And Topo, it's great to have you on the Rugby Wrap. Absolutely fantastic to do this uh, virtual trip to the West. <laughs> to the far West or the far... <laughs> now, mate, Argentina, they went into the matches underdogs. They pulled off a famous victory. It was 402 days between test matches. What did it mean, not only to the team, but also to the people of Argentina, to have that win on the weekend? Well, in, in any sport, in any international competition of any nature, beating another country, particularly being either the number one, number two, or number three, whatever, you know, they didn't get to the final in the last World Cup, but you know that New Zealand never goes any further than three. They keep jumping up, so it's always it. They got, they got a mortgage in that first, second, and third. Yep. Anyway, so it was huge, and personally, I've, I've, um, I've gone through the emotion. I was absolutely elated on Saturday. I couldn't stop my fingers typing and publishing in Facebook, LinkedIn, and talking about this and that. But then now that it's three days gone, and instead of coming down, I, I can't, the emotion has come down, but the significance of that test has gone higher. And I, I can think that. I go and look into any other sport fit of any Argentina, like Fangio, Villas, Messi, Maradona, whatnot, and this doesn't equate. This is just superior because the the caliber of the opposition. Mm-hmm. So you got one of the most successful teams of countries in rugby for 150 years, and it's the first time in 44 years. So this is huge, and it's history being made, and it will be for a long time. We Argentinians will bask on this for a long, <laughs> long time. It's lunchtime. As you should. I was going to say, Topo, we've, we've been asking you to come on this show for months now, haven't we? It's about three or four months, and you kept saying no. no. Now, now no, all of a sudden, you're no, ready this week. No, I, I, uh, I disagree. I don't have managers or agents. You could have approached me directly. <laughs> don't, don't go the long road. 
<laughs> hey, now, now Topo, um, like just in the, I mean, it's 44 years, that's just on the rugby side of things. But, you know, as we know with COVID, Argentina has had the ninth highest number of corona infections in the world. Buenos Aires has been shut down for six months. There's this video on social media. It shows the players. They've been training at home. I think Nico Sanchez ran something like 20 kilometres inside his house. There's been no super rugby, no domestic rugby. Eight players and three coaches, including the coach, Mario Ledesma, came down with COVID. How did they manage to, to win on the weekend? Well, you being an advertising man and marketing and all that, and also a bullshit artist, <laughs> you know that the creativity, creativity against the wall, when you are you know, back against the wall, creativity has an extra dimension. So these guys have been, one was saying he was training with his father from the roof, throwing the line-out ball. They, they were pushing this and that. They, they kept moving. And I'm sure that emotionally it's been an up and down like a roller coaster, but they just kept moving and doing things. And after a period of time, you get used to that fluctuation. And these guys have been training, thinking about the same thing for six months. Mm. That takes a lot of concentration. So they've been thinking they just wanted to get on the field. They wanted to pull the jumper. They never thought about playing with Australia or, or with or beating New Zealand. No, no. They just wanted to stay on the job doing things. They never thought that South Africa would not be there. Mm. You know, but they just stayed there. And to me, that has been the major improvement because many, many of the um, Pumas matches, they've been lost in the last 10 or 15 minutes. They've been all over the opposition in the last 10 or 15, they fall apart. Mm. Well, now, these guys had a mental concentration for 150 minutes. Mm. This yeah. is what I see. These guys being switched on from the moment they arrived to the ground until they went to the drinks yeah. afterwards, to the yeah. press conference. They were still switched on. Because what, what do you put that down to? Is it the fact well, that they've... That, that they've is, well... They had six months in isolation or where everything else comes second. They've been dedicated to this game, yeah. Yeah. not particularly the game, to the, this tri-nation. But the fact is, these guys have been on the ducks on the same line, aligned on the one purpose, which was get to Australia, get ready, pull the boots on, get the jumper, and then see what happened. Mm. I, if if I put you long enough with your worst enemy, yep. you'll become friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, these guys have been together in separate rooms, but they've been working together for six months. Well, wow. because no one gave them a chance going into the game. I was one of them. I thought, well, they're going to be creamed. Mm. But you see... I didn't know the background of how they were, what they did. I, I had no idea. You know? Yeah. And the proof is, and I'll tell you more, the All Blacks played four tests and four hard tests. And you would say, Wisdom would say, oh, these guys are hardened, they are much fit, and da da da. But in fact, they're also wearing down yes. because it's a lot of the. They, they must have had injuries and whatnot. 
And when you come from a loss, you know, it's well said, winning and losing is a matter of habit. Mm. Yeah? You know, you lose one game, then losing the next one, it's easy. Yeah. And winning is the same thing. It's a matter of habit. Yeah. And and I loved I loved the, the the passion of the Argentinians. Pablo Matera, the number six, was was outstanding. There was a a bit of a stoush there, and and he said to the referee that that they were disrespecting him, and he said he was playing for his country. Like how much of that victory was built just on passion? Well, he set the tone. He actually he was the one that was in that passage. He was the most coherent. In, in terms of the position, if you look at the all-black captain and the referee and Pablo Matera, he was the one that was making more sense than everybody else. The referee was trying to keep the peace and trying to get control in the game. And Matera said, yes, I understand your job, but my job is I'm defending my country. I don't take any ship from New Zealand. Yeah. And which is, this is something that not many people, everybody observes and criticizes the gamesmanship of New Zealand and South Africa, another country, but not many people address that. And Pablo said, I'm not taking anything. I'm not allowing my players to be under that. Mm. Yeah. He didn't say anything to a referee. Oh, you better watch this. And, no, no, but he said, mate, don't tell me to be less Argentinian than what I am. I'm the leader. Yeah. This is my reading. And that was phenomenal to me. And that was only on the third minute of the game. Yeah. So that tells you the mindset of Matera and the rest of the team. From there on, well, it was young for young, old for young and old. And you must but be... Very- it- you go, oh, yeah, so you go. it's like it's yeah. I I love the way that he the whole team approached him. Like it's that bully the bully mentality. Like we're not going to take anything from them because you know they all the All Blacks do get away with it at times. And there was obviously a lot of emotion, a lot of high and a lot a huge high coming out of that game for Argentina. A lot of passion. But do you think they'll be able to? What do you think they'll draw on to be able to back that victory up again this week? The the Argentinians. Argentinians, yeah. Well, if I was there as a player or as a captain, I would say, we've done it. That means we can do it again. Mm. Because it's, yeah, it's just impossible. go and do it. Like, I would recall the same feeling that I had from the time I got off the bus arriving to the stadium. Just remember, think, feel the same thing. Because it's that was my that was going to be my my question was because of they had that six that six month build up for that game like was that their grand final that first game can yeah no, can that no 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 that was the life raft they they're being rescued from that six months isolation now they're in the open yeah. they're in clear <laughs> yeah they're sailing. <laughs> And and where do you think where do you think their strength is against the Wallabies? Where do you think they'll beat the Wallabies? Well, why don't you ask me where is the weakness? I don't think there is one. Is there a weakness? Absolutely, there is none. None. So <laughs> the weakness is in within the Wallabies, I think. 
And and what do you think of Michael Checker? Do you think he he was a difference? Do you think he added I something? Don't. You don't. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> okay. Well, last. Well, just getting back to that that game. You obviously must be very proud of. I am of that of that team, and yeah, it was it was. Fantastic. I was. I, I tell you this. I was part. I was the tight head prop of the first ever win of Argentina in overseas. That was yep. nineteen. 83 in Ballymore. Yeah. 18-3 was a score. We scored two pushover tries. That was the first time Argentina beat one of the major nations, one of the top eight. Yep. And then there'd been a few other things. So I know what it's like, you know. And then let's now jump the fence to to the Wallabies. I was the, in the team that beat the All Blacks in 1986, and we took the Blaze Log Cup from New Zealand. We just pinched the thing and ran away. <laughs> so I know the feelings, and I can see. And I don't think out of the 40 people that they may have, 30 players plus and silver stuff, I don't think any of them would have disliked the experience. Yeah. I don't think they disliked it, so they want more of it. Yeah. It's like a drug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, 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 at the end of it, uh, following last weekend, Rugby Australia Chairman Hamish McLennan has said that he'd like to see more Argentinian players playing Super Rugby. Uh, the Western Force, as usual, are one step ahead of head office, and they've already signed uh, the prop Santiago Medrano uh, the hooker, Julian Montoya, scrum half, Thomas Cabelli, and I believe um, Santiago Iglesias, the fly half, is expected to be announced shortly. And I'll throw this to all of them. Do, do, do you think that uh, super rugby sides loading up on imports is a, is a good thing? And Topo, from your point of view, Argentinians playing super rugby, is that a good thing? Who, um, who made the decision of employing those players? Well, that was the Western Forces call. Good. Okay, let's talk about the Western Force and forget the rest. Okay. <laughs> right. I was going to say next question, but I think it deserves addressing. Okay. I think that's very smart, and why not? Uh, they are good players. They will be happy. They will have an opportunity to compete and all the rest. So I think it's a very good move. Yeah. Okay. And, and Mitch and Tess, what do you think? about super rugby teams loading up on, on overseas players. Well, you go first, oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'll be short. I'm not a fan. Not a fan? <laughs> I've, got my, I've got my own personal reasons. <laughs> no, I, th- I, no, I think, I think it's, a, it's been a very strange year for rugby and sport, like sport full stop internationally. So players are available to play. Players want to play. Teams want to utilise those players. So... Yeah, I mean, why not? We've got, you know, there's there's been talk over the past few years of a player drain from Australia, and we're still, you know, reloading after the World Cup. Um, so if we can get guys in that are going to help help teams through the next period, then yeah, I'm all for it. And it's a it's an interesting one too, Mickey. And um, an old mate of your topo, Phil Kearns, was very anti the Jaguares when they were in Super Rugby. He kept on saying that um, the Super Rugby was 
bankrolling the Hawaii's and who, only who was improving that? Who, who, who Phil, was Phil Kearns. Your mate Phil Kearns. Don't know what's how do you spell that? Hagwares. <laughs> no, no, the surname of this fellow that you just mentioned. Kearns. K with Kearns with a K. No, no, never never seen him. No, no, no. <laughs> he doesn't have box. Choose not to know. Yeah, yeah. So so he was he was very anti the Jaguares when they were in super rugby because he believed that they were bolstering Argentinian rugby and everyone was counter arguing that with the fact that we wanted we wanted strong rugby, we wanted a strong Argentina, we wanted a strong super rugby competition. But so it's 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 a breath of fresh air that Argentina's been able to perform at this test level against the All Blacks and I'm actually this is the first week in a number of weeks I'm generally excited about the game this weekend because the brand of rugby they've been able to bring is both abrasive but also skillful um, which I think is really refreshing. Mitch, Mitch, what are we talking about? We're talking about the the Western Force, Phil Kearns, the Jaguares and the Super Eight. Are we putting all this in in a smoothie? Not so smoothie, by the way, in a blender. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Th- this is my point: is that that's what's going to end up happening with the Argentinian players now playing for the Western Force. Will they be able to bring that Argentinian brand to Super Rugby through an Australian franchise? Well, uh, let's say I give you an analogy or metaphor on this. Playing rugby is like dancing. It's an activity. It's a sport. It's dancing. So. Let's go dancing professionally. So that becomes an occupation, an employment. So you got employer, employer. You can't go and tell people, yes, you can dance rumba and not waltz, or do lambada, but not tango. Mate, this is a business, run business like you've got employees. And I cannot understand this idea of oh, do this, not do that. The Gito Lodra, mate. This is an open market now. You get whoever wants to play. If he's within, if he's not a criminal, um, then he's, he's in. So I cannot understand this rationale of these pseudo administrators that they in making it up as they go when they should be just so straightforward. And uh, what have you got? Okay, you're a good drop kicker. You pass the ball left, right, and whatnot. Okay, how much are you? Boom. Now, I'll tell you how I would simplify the things if I could. If I make Mick, yep. may I? Yes, you may, Topo. Yes, you okay. may. To me, rugby is an intra-related sport. I mean, this is not science. It's intra-related. If I didn't push in my scrum, Campisi wouldn't have ever scored a try. <laughs> yep. Okay? Yep. Now, the opposite. Now, if Campisi didn't cross the game line, our pack would have been stuffed. So we all interdependent. So everything we do on the field goes in favor of the team or against the team. When you all understand and function well and you all the ducks online and whatnot, then you go and play well and win. So personally, I'd say rugby must be run as a socialist sport. Everyone gets paid the same amount of money for playing, training, for the effort, for the time. Now, if you are good looking as you are, I can see, and you can advertise um, 
a hair studio like uh, Greg Matthews or some wigs coming from M Malaysia, <laughs> and you get the, this sponsor wants to give you $10 million to pro well, that's fine. That's yours. Yep. But when it comes to playing and training, for Christ's sake, that should be run by the union, Australian rugby. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it's so much going on with these market forces and da 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 that is it's just the whole thing is a mess. Now, if somebody says, "Oh, I'm going to Japan because I get double the salary," you just wish them good luck and cross them out of the Christmas list. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you think, Topo, there's more opportunities than for um, what you're saying is if 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 the Argentinian guys are keep developing and keep playing really good top level rugby then Australia should be looking at maybe bringing more of them into Australia to play alongside the Australians? Absolutely. And I'll get six Australians to go and play in Argentina. Well, how good would that be? Well, be would you like to go and coach? <laughs> no, I'm a terrible coach. Remember, uh, one thing you may not know, I'm the founder and the chairman of the Australian-Argentine Business Council. So my business is to promote the bilateral exchange. So I think that's a great opportunity for... For everyone. This is what the people need to understand. This is global. And if you get someone from Georgia or from, I don't know, Cameroon to play, well, why not? Mm. And if they don't play, look, too much emphasis is on to the Super Rugby, the Rugby World Cup. Why don't we really promote club rugby and invite people galore? Let him come and go or not. The same way you've got thousands of Australians going for a leap year to, to the UK or maybe to Latin America. Well, why not? Just promote it. Go and play rugby. Mix. Mm -hmm. Learn. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, Topo, just, so just getting back to Australian rugby, in, in your point of view, what needs to be done to get it back to the glory days of old? Because it's obviously, it, it's, it is a bit of a decline. What, what do we need to do to turn it around? Strip and bear it. Strip down to zero. And win. Start yeah. winning. Yeah. Winning. Win. Yeah. The moment you win, you put a, a, a show, the people will come and, and watch the show. And when you've got people coming, then becomes a good business. They just need to win. Now, the thing is, my question for these smart administrators is, where do you get the talent from? Yeah. And then we say, well, becoming, they come from the GPS schools. And, oh, hang on a second. You've got a lot of schools. They come from the schools, of course, and from the clubs. Well, why don't we feed the cow first and then we milk it? Well, here is the other way around. First, they milk the cow and they forget to put the grass in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And there's so many shenanigans in this, I call it aristocratic sport, because it comes from the city of rugby, where it started, then goes down to Oxford and Cambridge, then comes to Sydney Uni, Queensland Uni, then goes into the GPS schools, and it's all kept in there. Yeah. Of course, when they need props, they look <laughs> at a migrant, <laughs> or they get an Aborigine. <laughs> or they get an Indian, or, or yeah. But when when you when you play, yes, they want you for pushing, 
tackling or jumping or whatever, sidestepping. But once you leave the field, once you cross the white line and you become a person again, all of a sudden you don't stack up. If you didn't go to the private school, you have no chance. So, and then you see who is running the show. Well, they take turns. First is at the moment we have the show mafia. Okay? <laughs> so if these guys stuff up, the school, the old boys clean up. They never do wrong because the old boys will come and clean up. Well, wait till in two years, it'll be the New England mafia. And then will be the Scots mafia. And they just keep juggling around in between them. So they need to open up. Mm. They need to share the thing. They need to allow other people, maybe people with different skin color <laughs> or different haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I would like to, this big motto that I've learned and I got it right here in front of my, the egalitarian society, which is Australia, I would like them to show it in rugby, how egalitarian and equal opportunity it is. Mm. It's not they're kidding themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You're Do right. I sound polit politi like a politician? No. <laughs> no. Not at no. all. Not at all. It's but common sense, which yeah. is very uncommon. You're exactly right. Now, Topo, before we let you go, so what, what are you doing with yourself now? What are you up to? Well, as I mentioned, um, about five years ago, six years ago, I set up this um, uh, Australian Argentine Business Council with an emphasis in the arts, culture, education, sports. So it's nothing to do with big business like mining and other things, which Perth is renowned for, for that. So it's more about the humanistic activities. And then, of course, you promote business by doing, and we go into an art gallery or wine tasting and cheese and tango dancing and whatnot. The other thing that I'm doing is I've set up about nine months ago the International Sports Sciences Forum. And what this is or aims to be is um, a collegiate group of professionals that will look after or provide guidelines, uh, programs, and policies in regards to the preparation for performance and the safety, the prevention of injuries. And one of the hot topics of today is concussion mm. because it's all linked. And so if you get tackled quite often or you fall into on the ground or whatever, then concussion is coming, and then comes depression, and then comes dementia, and then it's Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and whatnot. So our emphasis is to say to an 18-year-old girl or guy, whoever, that before you sign on the dotted line, look at what's going to happen when you're 60. You know, whether you have enough money invested, whether you have a trade, or you've done it, you've got a profession or certificate or something, just make them look at the hard look at life because we see too many people in this is only not only rugby, but you see in rugby league, in Aussie rules, in hockey, and whatnot, people that come 40, as we know, this young guy that um, 
even Lipman, uh, Michael Lipman, who played for Warringah, then he played for England, is now mm. out with concussion, chronic. Is is I mean, it's no reversing that. So these people need to understand that when you got a certain level of injury, you must come off and stay off, because then you've got other ones like the spinal and neck injury. Last year we had five kids in high school, well, fourth from Queensland and one from New South Wales, they ended up or quadriplegic or severely damaged. And who takes care of that? You know, the, the Australian Rugby Union or Rugby League or Australia, they just was hands, oh, that's an accident. But no, what we are about is safety first and money second last. Mm. And my emphasis today I switched allegiances to women. I support women because men know too much. They know everything. And women don't. So the women are willing to learn. Well, women are at heavy risk because I understand the idea, the concept of doing what men do to prove a point and because they want to. And why not? They have the right. But what I'm saying is they don't have to do it the same way the men do. So, for example, they should not be playing two 40-minute halves. They should play four 20 minutes or three 20 minutes. So the game needs to be adapted to women depending in accordance to their capabilities, the physical ability or disability. They don't have the same muscle strength, so they are subject to neck injuries or other chronic injuries, which then in 10 years' time, they may have problems with childbearing. They may have other problems of depression, bipolar, or whatnot. So they need to address this because it's all lovely when you're 20, 25, and it's all great, but when you become old and decrepit, I mean, I have two titanium knees and I function very well. But some people, I know that probably 25% of the people that have replaced the knees, they are no good. So women could be finding themselves, they have 15 years of fun and then all of a sudden they become crippled. Mm. And he's, you see, I heard Ian Roberts talking about He's been knocked out about 12 times in his career. He had about 100 times knocks in the head. He said that. I don't invent it. Mm. So it's got to come the time, particularly with professional sport, where is the money going? Are we feeding uh, Fox Sports or ESPN or the Fairfax Media? Who's taking the money and who's paying the price? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a good topic, and it's one that I'm t- raging. I will <laughs> keep raging because it makes me live it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Topo. It's great that you're onto it because someone obviously needs to, and and I think you're the man with the passion to do it. So, well, I wish I wish you all the best in, in right that. now. Right now, I have been in contact with Kerry Chikarovsky. Marie Spain is the minister for 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 women. I'm in touch with Switzerland, Canada, Argentina. I got two universities from Argentina, Sydney Uni, 
John Hunter Hospital. I got people in South Africa, in everywhere. I'm just bringing everyone in to work in collaboration. This needs to, science needs to over, override or, or come over sport. Mm. You, we need science to make some sanity, bring sanity into sport. I'm not saying you've got to stop sport. That's, sport is a very important function in society, but not to be a wild bull running amok. Mm. Yeah. It, it, we need to bring things into perspective. That's what really gets me. Yeah. Well, I hope that all comes off for you, Topo, because you do make a lot of sense. Well, look, mate, I know it's getting late. We appreciate you had a siesta today, so you could be up, up for us. So, look, in, enjoy... Um, Enjoy the game this weekend. I'm sure you'll be... Are you going to tip Argentina? I was going to ask. Any bets? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't well, know. T- I t- if I was a bookie, yep. if I was a bookie, which I'm not, but I would say Argentina by 10 points, but I will not put my car or my house on it. All right. <laughs> the Wallabies, uh, the Wallabies have proven to be very resilient, and I think this uh, fellow David Rennie, David Rennie, is um, adding a new dimension to the things. He, he may be able to make him click and and run. You know, so Argentina's by ten. See you in Newcastle. All right. All right. <laughs> Topo, mate, you're a great man. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your thoughts. So thanks so much for your time on the Rugby Wrap. Take care. And Mitch and uh, Heath, all the best. Thanks, Topo. Mate. Good to see you. Thanks, Cheers. Topo. Bye. Thank you. So that was the great Topo Rodriguez waxing lyrical about rugby and, and all sorts of things. He's, um, he's a great character, Mitch, isn't he? Oh, how excited is he about the win on the weekend? He's just... He's it's like he's been reborn, and he's a new Argentinian. So, uh, but it's great. It's it's certainly there's a lot of buzz and excitement around, and I couldn't believe how many people had written the RGs off before that game against the All Blacks. Yeah, and and totally underestimated. And it was almost like everyone got some rugby amnesia that they've forgotten how good the Jaguares were last time around in Super Rugby and how well they they did last Test season. It was just, it was almost it was amnesiaist. And the All Blacks were just a bumbling bunch of All Blacks. And they really did not go to the next level that everyone expected. They've, they've plateaued out. They're going, to be, they're going to have to go back to the whiteboard and work out what's gone wrong in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I'm really, I was, fair dickum, really looking forward to this Wallabies-Argentinian game this weekend because if the Wallabies bring what they did against their last out against the All Blacks and the Argentinians bring what they've, what they've showed on the weekend, it yeah. should be a really... Enjoyable game, yeah. And so, are you gonna are you gonna have a tip? Who's your tip? No, I'm not tipping this week. I refuse to because <laughs> we, all we all know what happens when I tip, and it all goes to custard. So I, I'm actually, yeah. I, I think can we not tip? No, you've can got I, a tip. You've got a tip. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bandwagon up. And I'm going to go for the Argies. Oh, he's on the Argies. Nice. I'm going to go to the Argies. Well, because I'm just going to get on their bandwagon because Topo's got me excited. (laughs) And Tess? Uh, Yeah. I'm not not quite on the bandwagon. I'm excited. I think Argentina are my number two team. They always have been just for their kit. I think it's a great kit. It is a great kit. It's the best jersey to 
be able, you know, to be able to pull on that. When I when I was living in the states, uh, we our, our number one, we just played in all black or all white. But the seconds team, everyone wanted to play in the seconds. They didn't want to play in the first because the seconds team, the guy that owned the team over there played twos and he made their kit the same as the Argentinian team. <laughs> so that was like, everyone was always happy to be dropped back to twos because you got the best, you got to wear the best kit that weekend. Um, but unfortunately, I think it's going to be competitive again. I think it's going to be another excellent, entertaining game. But I think the Wallabies will get home. But I don't want to underestimate, like we've, we've made a point of, you know, the, the Kiwis of the, of the Aussie guys coming into the, the game, into these matches with games under their belt and, and time on the field. But don't underestimate this this squad of Argentinian blokes who have already spent a lot of time together. They're all top high-class players. Them having six months to sit there and say, we've got four games. Well, originally, it was going to be a lot more games. I think they've just got four games now. We just need to go out and blow everyone away and we can do something pretty special with these four games this year. So, yeah, I mean, no one's going to be taking any chances underestimating them this weekend. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker and I'm just hoping the Wallabies get home. Because yeah. coming into it, I, I thought I thought there were no chance. I just thought with, with not being training together, not having any rugby under their belts, I thought they were on a hiding to nothing. So I was very surprised. So coming into it, I would have thought it would have been the Wallabies by 20. Having you seen, had rugby, you had rugby amnesia as well. I did have rugby amnesia, and then after <laughs> after last week, I'd be thinking, okay, maybe it's the Argentinians by twelve. But now I'm going to go for a draw. Yeah. Oh, that's even yeah. worse than me. Twenty twenty four all. No, mate. There's no draws. I mean, if if it even gets close, the Argent, Argentinians kicking is going to get them over the line. I mean, they're. I mean, just they're so methodical around every opportunity they get. They just they just keep that scoreboard ticking over. And then all of a sudden you're 15, 18 points down and you're chasing the scoreboard. That's that's the beauty of how they're playing the game at the moment. And their set piece is good. And I love the way they're offloading in the contact zone as well. Like that is really good footy. Um, the, other, the other thing I liked about Topo's little chat is these work work around the safety for the sport. Um, yeah. And that's sometimes a it's an interest, interesting couple of points he raised around more investment into the safety aspects and working with the players at the younger age groups so that they've got life after rugby with, with, you know, reduction of chronic issues and all the rest of it. And I know there's a, there's a cohort up in Brisbane that have been working on scrum safety and, and they looked at trying to put in place a scrum pass. And uh, Murray Harley was, was talking to me just recently about that and how they didn't get the, the support from the governing body around putting in place this scrum pass program in and around scrummaging. And, you know, you've got a guy like Topo who's he's working with some sports scientists and in uni's trying to do the same thing. And you're going, well, maybe we are missing a trick here. Maybe we are too game-focused and commercial-focused and we've got to do, look at that holistic way of running the sport where we don't want the tail wagging the dog where we get too overcautious with safety and we change the game. But certainly a lot of work can be done at that younger age group to make sure that we're playing in a safe manner. We're yeah. looking after beyond the game. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. So to the mailbag and uh, planned it this weekend. One thing I noticed, the Pacific Rugby Player Welfare CEO, a guy by the name of Dan Leo, he's just spent the past three years working on a documentary called Oceans Apart, Greed, Betrayal and Pacific Rugby. And I saw the trailer today and we'll stick it up on the Rugby Wrap uh, Twitter feed. But one of the quotes out of it, he says, the reason there will be no change is that the people who stand to lose from change have all the power. And the people who stand to benefit from change 
have none of the power. And it was interesting, one of the scenes uh, they said where every year they take the best 40 players out of Tonga. One school in New Zealand asked for a 13-year-old that they wanted. They said it's not far from, not far different from a slave ship. And some of the Samoans don't get paid, but the English Rugby Union will make 20 million quid out of a test against them. So it, it, it's fascinating that, that someone's actually come out and done a documentary about the plight of the Islanders because they're so important to world rugby, but apparently they're, just, they're all being completely screwed by the game. Yeah, and there has been a lot of innuendo and rumours floating around over the last decade probably about administrators in those Pacific Islanders fleecing the IRB funds and the funds not getting down to where it's most needed. Um, there's plenty of those rumours that have gone by over the years in Samoa, Tonga, Fiji about administrators putting their hands in the cookie jar and, mm. and skimming off the top and the money not getting to where it's most needed. And, you know, for every three steps those countries take forward in the test arena, I think it's two steps backwards for them. And, and you look at the successes they've had, in particular Fiji with sevens, and not being able to capitalise that and transition it into the 15 aside and get regular test matches, which then opens up that whole can of worms around tier two country test matches and what that schedule should and could look like and how it can be better fostered. Mm. So Oceans Apart, it's called Greed, Betrayal and Pacific Rugby. Uh, and it is out now on Amazon and Prime. So well worth having a look at. And just speaking, Mitch, of, of Fiji, this week, New Zealand Rugby have announced that Fiji's been acknowledged as the preferred partner in future professional rugby competitions for 22 and beyond, which means that if all goes to plan, the Fiji draw will be part of Super Rugby. Uh, all they need to do is satisfy some of the capital requirements, and if they can tick that off, they're in. So Ball Reports, they're speaking to private investors and a positive. So it will be great to see the, the Fijian side in Super Rugby. Yeah, sounds like they need a need an investor, don't they, mate? Um, also, you know, I reckon Bayer Plenty and the Chinese Rugby Union might be sitting somewhere in the in the back benches as well, somewhere around the thing. So, stay tuned for that one. But um, certainly, that's a logical step in the right direction. Having Fiji Drua involved in some level, what do you reckon? You played against them? No, absolutely, I agree. And I think I think the strength comes from um, like there's always been the the chat around having a combined Pacific Nations team, but I think that the real strength comes from focusing on, you know, that, that one region where guys have spent time together and played together, so they're going to get a stronger stronger outcome, be a lot more competitive week in, week out. You don't have to have guys living away from home um, and, you know, sharing, kind of sharing games between between regions. They'll have a good, they'll have an unreal support base there in Fiji. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a great step forward. And there's that pride and the passion. We saw it, you know, with Topo, with the Argentinians. You, you, you know, if you had a, the Fijian team, there'll be a lot of pride and a lot of passion for those supporters. Everywhere they go, they'll have great support and great following. Yeah, they, they do. And they, we saw that in the NRC for the couple of seasons they were involved. They, they always had good crowds, both locally and also here in Australia, when they're playing their games, so which always bodes well for the growth of the game. And uh, last week, test the Nathan Sharp medal. Fergus Lee Warner winning the medal. Ian Pryor, the, the force man. No, no real surprises with the awards. Fergus certainly had a great season. Yeah, absolutely. I, he, I mean, he was probably our most consistent and, and one of our top performers every game. Um, I think it was. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he stood up. He was. He's unlucky not to be be training with Dave Rennie and his his mob, as far as I'm concerned, right now. Um, especially with the uh, you know with how some of their locks have been performing. 
over the last few weeks. I think he should be in there, and that's just just reward for the season that he had. And we had Michael Blutron a, a couple of episodes ago speaking about schoolboy rugby and the scholarships, and it's just been announced the Gold Coast Titans have signed an exciting outside back by the name of Jojo Fafita for the next three seasons. Apparently one of the brightest young talents. He was uh, he's 17. He joins the NRL program after excelling at the Southport School in the GPS rugby competition. So apparently one of the most promising young players from either code and he's going to join the Titans. So you know, the GPS continues to be a breeding ground for the NRL. Or GPS is a holding ground for kids that love their league. Either way you look at it, Nick, okay. I mean, it's, it's probably the latter. The DPS schools are hoovering up the best of the league players to play rugby for them. And then when they finish with that, they go back to league. I think that's more the, the yeah. scenario. And, and it's, it's odd, you know, we, we've spoken about it before that, that that sort of that, you know, not the pathway, but the transition from schoolboy rugby to to club rugby and, and beyond. A lot of the rugby stops at the school. That's... They play for the school and that's it. And there's so much emphasis just on the school. It's almost like that's the end of the road. And, and once once you finish with your school, the school doesn't really care because it's all about that one year. So they'll load that up. They don't care about the game. It's it's about their own competition and, and their school. It's a real interesting scenario that, that we've got going on with those schools and the scholarships. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure if it's, if it's making our base any bigger or better by doing it that way. And I think... You know, depending on what happens next with, you know, now they've done the broadcast agreement and all that sort of stuff, what's what's the upside for the growth of the game now? So how do we how do we grow the base? And I'm not sure it's through private schools. I think it's got to be through community-based clubs. Yeah, and as Topo was, was saying there, it's, uh, the game has got to be a lot broader. And on, on the broadcast deal, it's old but still current news. One game a week on Channel 9. No guarantee that it's going to be on the main night. It could be on, on Gem, so it could get a, a little bit lost. And Colin Smith, who's one of the media rights experts, he says that the game, because uh, it's, it's come out that they think that being on free-to-air is going to cure all the problems with Australian rugby. He's saying it, it's not going to cure deals and as Topo alluded to it it's the performance so back in 2011 when the Reds were winning they were getting 500,000 people watching now they're down to about 60,000 so winning regardless of where it is that's what's going to draw the crowds in but but how how do we get the teams winning is it by importing these players but well yeah there's a little bit of that but you've got to make the competition interesting as well remember everyone lost interest in the the competition itself because we couldn't understand it yeah no. no one could work out how it runs. So at least we've got a nice, easy format. We know there's Super Rugby AU, and we know there's Super Rugby AOTRO. You play those two, and then we're going to do a crossover thing. So at least it's a nice, easy format to understand. We've got all the club systems from Sydney, Brisbane, WA, South Australia, all doing the live stream uh, format now, which is going to help things. And I think everyone's getting used to being able to pick those game up games up on the internet and live stream them and all the rest of it. Whether or not the free-to-air thing is going to have any impact, we'll just have to wait and see. But it's nice to have it there mm-hmm. as an option. And, you know, Stan's going to be a good platform that, you know, if that's everyone's go-to rugby channel yep. and the content's good and everyone enjoys watching it, maybe it'll it'll get a bit of momentum. But it's got to be a holistic approach to things in my view. Mm. You can't just hope, roll the dice and hope for the best that it's all going to work and everyone's just going to go, oh, that's all right, we'll all go to the rugby now. Yeah, <laughs> and Tess, you like you like the with the whole stand and the Channel Nine. Yeah, I mean it is it's it is exciting, but it's it's like we just alluded to. I mean, having 
having an average game on a free to air for everyone to watch isn't going to bring more people in. So if we can get foreign players in, like that's that's a good way to you know bolster some of the audience watching, garner some more of that interest in the competition. Obviously, make some more exciting games because we've got different ways of playing and different players bringing different skills and and like different histories of their rugby into the competition as well. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, that that product has to be good, and so it'll be a big part on the um, you know on the players and and the coaches to make sure they deliver something. We've got the opportunity to go to free to wear and be in front of people, or a lot more be accessible to a lot more people. So you know now we've got to deliver a good product. If you're an NRL or an AFL fan and you be switching through the channels and you land on nine or nine gem, and it's the rugby on, and you see a rolling mall pushover try from. 20 metres out. Are you sold? 20 <laughs> metres sold. Will you... Even 10. Will you continue watching or will you switch off? Oh, they'll probably say, what the hell was that? And then <laughs> it's the curiosity is peak. So they'll keep watching. <laughs> Here's an interesting one though, Mickey. More and more, are the Western Force becoming the Toulon of Australian rugby? Yeah. Where we're going to get this hodgepodge Mitch Nash of players playing in Perth that is pretty much an all-stars lineup or a has-beens lineup, whichever way you want to look at it. And is it is it going to actually benefit rugby in Western Australia and is it going to be benefit rugby in Australia? And that's mm. that's a big question mark for me. The more and more I'm seeing these announcements and signings of the Western Force, the more and more I'm thinking this looks like Toulon revisited. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, they had a bit of success when they took that approach, but they also had a lot of tears along the way, Toulon. So, you know, I'm just a little bit concerned that, you know, for every international signing that they're rolling out there and everyone gets excited about, that's another... Yeah, Australian player heading overseas. Yeah, that's another player that's going to leave our shores or go play for another franchise. So, yeah, we've just got to be cautious that there needs to be a balance. And we've got to remember the Western Force are unregulated, so they don't come under any regulations that the other franchise are going to have as far as rupa salary caps um contract terms none of that they're pretty much an an unregulated entity and is that sustainable um for the long-term competition model for australian rugby yeah i mean in the ideal situation the western forcel will win this super rugby whatever it is for the next five years and in the meantime in the background they're developing young local players and then bringing them through. So the, the international signings at the amount they've got is a short-term measure to reward the fans by having some victories, but then, yeah, be able to sort of filter them out and start bringing the talent through. Because, I mean, the, the decision to cut and put rugby back 10 years here, so there's a, a bit of time that they need to rebuild those good players, the Dane Hallett, Petty's, Dickie Hardwick's, Cole Goldman's that, that were kind of lost. So I think from a short-term point of view, I, I, I hope it will be good but they've got to continue. And I think, you know, Twiggy's been good with that, the development money he's put in. So I, th- I think he's trying to balance both ends of the spectrum. And if that works out, you know, long-term, it should be great for the Western Force. Mm. That's the plan. Yeah. New World Rankings have come out following the Argentinians win over the ABs and Wales losing their sixth straight game. So South Africa is now number one, England number two, New Zealand number three, France four, Ireland five. We've jumped up to number six. The Scots are seven, the Argies are eight, and Wales nine. So a bit of a shuffling of the deck. But the Argies, the Argies are only eight because they haven't been playing week in, week out test matches, surely. That's well, yeah. It's all it's all relevant to how many games you've played in the last six weeks or eight weeks or three months or whatever. So Yes. 
yeah. So that, that's that's where it's at. And I think the last point in the mailbag was um, Hamish McKinnon and Rob Clark back in the papers during the week, and they were saying that history will remember their work to get New Zealand on board for a trans-Tasman competition. That'll be known as the Garfish Accord, named after a restaurant in, in Manly. Maybe tongue-in-cheek, but it, it's, it's not a, the, the rugby is not about them. And I'm, I'm sure the volunteers in Clubland will be happy to know that they were buying $90 bottles of red, and I assume on the Rugby Australia credit card, and I just hope he didn't spill any on his chinos. <laughs> that photo of them walking down the beach together was one of the most lovely things I've ever seen. Could you imagine the NRL, the NRL or AFL blokes doing that? Just shoes off on the sand with their $90 bottle of wine. It's... it's quite extraordinary and it's, I just think that they still have lost touch with the average punter in rugby I hope they do a good job and they, but I, I tell you what it's um, there's a bit of work to be done what do we think's next for rugby Australia then Mickey what, they've got the broadcast deal done now what's next what are we waiting what are we waiting to see them do next for because remember Rob Clark's only acting CEO so I assume there's still going to be some sort of recruitment process around the actual CEO position. That's where you would like um, to think that that's that that is happening. That was you'd like to think yeah. that this time that there's a recruitment company or someone with some rugby people involved, going around and interviewing qualified people to be the CEO. My my concern, and look, he might be the right person for the job, but my concern is that Rob Clark will just continue to have that job, and that means he's taken that job basically without any new view. He's just he was a stopgap who's just happened now to be, as as Topo was saying, the Shaw Mafia. And, and he's, he's maintained, I don't mind if he interviews for the position, but he made it very clear he didn't want it from the start. So it's, it just will be a little bit sus if he just rolls on and says, oh, look, I'll, I'll keep doing it. So interesting things for me are, uh, yes, when that's going to be announced, when are they going to get a CEO? That was the big thing was the broadcast deal and getting Super Rugby and all that, which seems to be now blocked in. We need the new CEO. And I also would like to know what, the, what sort of money that they're going to be paying these administrators given this this new world that we live in now where contracts are being cut, surely that's got to go through the administrators as well. So there's a few little things lurking in the background that's, uh, again, it's a watch this space on where yeah, all that heads out. Certainly they've, they've indicated they've flashed a lot of dollars off the bottom line and done a lot of business trimmings. But also Rupert's very been very quiet in this process as well and I'm just wondering whether or not there's more to, to come from Rupert in respect to the player salaries and how the new contract regime might be being done with a limited uh, broadcast budget that's been signed up. We've got to remember it's only $30 million a year. So, And I think it was $30 million in total. So that was cash and contra. So I'm not, yeah, actually, so, I'm not sure how much of that is cash. And as we've spoken about, we reckon it's about $5 million to run a super rugby team. Minimum. So there's, there's, there's not a lot of change there. Out of out of that, so have the play yeah. are the players back to full freight, or are they are they still on mm-hmm. on reduced money? They're still on reduced money until the end of this year. End of the year. So yeah, I think there's more to come, and we'll need to keep our ears to the ground as as far as that impact of Rupert in those negotiations, because the the collective bargaining agreement runs out this year, so they they need to enter into a new collective bargaining agreement, is my understanding. So there'll be more work to be done in that in that space as well. So that clip that so that. As when you say the end of the year, so as of December 31. That's, that's my right. understanding, yeah. Yeah, right. um, yeah and Vunivalu joined the Wallabies straight off the back of the, uh, the storm. Which I, the- I, I can't believe that. How does that happen? How does that happen? There's 900,000 reasons why it happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, si- but since when... A year. Since when, 
Yeah, but you know the the, the NRL can't be a a Wallaby trial. You've got all these guys who have been again picked in that forty-four, and then you've got guys in in clubland that have been you know playing well, busting their ass, and a guy playing rugby league gets to go to to the Wallaby camp. Who's making that decision? Is I, it, is can, it, I can understand them bringing. Oh, how can you? Wanna, how can you? They want to accelerate his. They want to accelerate his learning. They want him to, you know, hit the ground running next year. Yeah, so send him to but club I mean, training. I remember, yeah, well, I, I was going to say, I remember when I was invited back in the day to be trained with the Reds and things like that. I wasn't given the kid. I had to rock up in my UK <laughs> kit. So make him, make him exactly. get down to the Wallabies. He wears his Storm gear. Wear his Melbourne he Storm gear. He can wear his Reds gear if he wants it, but he, he doesn't. Exactly he doesn't right. get given the kit. Well, I'm sure the Reds would have welcomed him to pre-season training. I reckon Brad Thorne would have had a special treat just for him. For exactly. Pre-season, but he gets to avoid that. He gets to stay with the Wallabies in Camp Wallaby for the next few weeks. And then he'll probably be, you know, probably get a few weeks leave. No a bit of extra time. Uh, a bit of extra time away. And then he can join the Reds probably sometime in the new year. And yeah, we'll, just cool on him. So. And, and Hoover up, he count his money while everyone else is doing the training. Just extraordinary. But anyway... Always interesting rugby. It never lets us down. No, no. There's something to talk about, isn't there? All right. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. But no, it's all good. A lot of good news. A lot of good news around at the moment. You know, the well, Tri-Nations is great. Yeah. So the winner of this, the winner of the game on the weekend will go to the top of the table of the Tri-Nations. As we said, with the broadcast deal finally locked away, players know that they've got a competition to play for next year. A bit disappointing yeah. from the Western Force that they won't get too many games on the, um, on the, on the free-to-air broadcast thing. But it'll be great for the Sea of Blue to actually have, and you know, I can't wait for that New South Wales game here out at uh, NIB Stadium, the Sea of Blue, Western Force against the Waratahs. That'll be an absolute cracker of a contest. And what about the concept, Mickey, of the Super Rugby Day, where in one venue, all, all games will be played across the venue on one weekend at one venue. How, how much fun would that be if you're a rugby punter? Yeah. You go, right, yeah. this is going to be in Wellington or Eden Park or whatever, you know. You can rock up on the Friday on. morning. You've got games Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. Yep. And you just so you smash the rugby out for five games or whatever it's going to be across it, one weekend in one venue. That'd be awesome. It'd be like grand that. final day at the library with the 10 yeah, grand finals. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon that's an awesome concept. And yeah. as long as they share it around a bit, I reckon punters from everywhere will go to that. Oh, yeah. It'd be, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That is a good concept. All right, gentlemen, that was good. It was great to talk to Topo. I love his passion and um, I'm looking forward to this game on the weekend. So, Mitch, enjoy safe travels down south. Yes, mate. I'll uh, head back to Perth this evening and be back out and about in the regions next week. So, what have you been Always up to? Always a pleasure. What's happening with you? Plenty of coffees. Plenty of coffees. <laughs> That's, That's good. <laughs> Keep right. sipping. Keep sipping away. All right, boys. Oh, I'm highly caffeinated. And oh, to all the people for listening. So thanks to the telecom shop. Oh, yeah. Uh, dot com, Elmstock Tea for their support. And of course, to, to you for listening and, uh, and keeping us company. So all the best. Enjoy the game on the weekend. We'll catch you next time on the Rugby Wrap.